Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Welcome to week one of a brand new series we're calling Sun Stand Still. And uh, it is based on a story in the book of Joshua uh, where we see exactly that. Normally I'd come up and I'd recap some uh, highlights and let you guys know what's coming up. But honestly, I'm so excited for the word that uh, God's shared with me today that I'm just getting ready to share with you. And so uh, if you have a Bible, you can open to the book of Joshua, uh, chapter 10. If you don't, uh, the verses will be on the screen. But I have a hope for this message today. I have a hope for you today. My prayer this week was not that I would be able to just communicate effectively or that you would clap or say amen or stand up or throw stuff at me. I like all of that. And you can do all of that at your, at your, at your, at your leisure. I don't know if that's the right word. But um, what I have been praying for, honestly, is that God would do something uh, special uh, in, in our lives. Um, I really believe that God is getting ready to release something in our city, in our community, uh, and in our church. And so, uh, well, let's just get into the story. I think this is going to encourage you. Joshua chapter 10 is one of the stories I really enjoyed as a child. It's one of the stories I had trouble with um, as an adult. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read something in the Bible that has made you kind of second guess or maybe question or how did that even happen. And uh, I think the older we get, if we're not careful, the more cynical we become. And we start arguing over the minuscule details in the Bible instead of uh, doing what the Bible was intended to do in our life. Uh, increase our faith by stretching the limits of what we can believe. And so the fact that you can't believe it should never be a reason why you don't read it and why you don't apply it to your life. I think that was a part of the reason God gave us the word. He set out to expand the limits of what it is uh, that we believe. Amen? Amen. So Joshua chapter 10, verse 7 through verses 14 says this. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid. Somebody say, don't be afraid. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. And after an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. And the Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. And so Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. And Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Horon and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makeda. Don't judge me if I said it wrong. You don't know how to say it either, okay? Verse 11, as they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Azekah, that's what I'm calling it and that's what I'm sticking to, the Lord hurled large hailstones. Come on, Jesus, why you got to do them like that? Down on them and more of them died from the hail then were killed by the sword. Verse 12, and on that day, the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel. Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel. Here's our passage for the rest of uh, the month. Uh, verse 12, sun stand still over Gibeon and you moon over the valley of Ijalon. Somebody better give God some praise after verse 13. So the sun stood still. Wow. And the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies as it is written in the book of Jashar. 
the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. Verse 14, and there has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely, somebody say surely, the Lord was fighting for Israel. Surely, this passage says there has never been a day like it since. But I believe that today is going to be a day just like it. I believe that God is going to steal the sun in your life today over your situation, over your problem, over your issue. I believe that. If you believe that, say amen. 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 This is what I want you to do. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them the title of my message. Tell them it's time. Look at your other neighbor and tell them it's time. Look at your other neighbor and tell them to get ready. Look at your other neighbor and tell them to get ready. Here's my title. To go big. To go big. Go big. Go big or go Go big, man. Go big. Well, listen, you know, I don't want you to be fooled uh, by the size of my physique. I was not always big and muscular. It wasn't that funny. <laughs> it was supposed to be a joke, but not like that. Um, wasn't always big, man. You know, I, I was actually really pretty skinny and scrawny. Uh, in elementary school, middle school, high school, when I got married. You should have seen pictures of me when I got married. I looked like a 14-year-old got uh, <laughs> married. Uh, it's crazy. Um, and, uh, and it's actually the reason why I speak publicly today. A lot of people ask me how I got into preaching. And aside from God's call, speaking was something I got into at a young age. Because before I did it for a living, I did it for surviving. <laughs> um, I grew up in the 90s in the New York City public school system uh, when it seemed like bullying was really at his height. And uh, remember, I had an uncle who lived with me, and um, I came home after being bullied one day, and I asked him, his name was Jose, and I was like, you know, dear Jose, um, can you, you know, teach me how to fight? Because there's these bullies, and if I could just fight. And at that age, you don't really understand that fighting is like a whole thing. Like, like you go to school, like you learn. How to fight. And so, like, can you just, can you like 20 minutes, can I get like the crash course in fighting? And he was like, no. Nah. Yeah. That's going to take too long. That's his voice. He talked like that. And um, I said, I, he said, but I can. He said, I can teach you how to talk. I was like, okay. I was like, well, why is that important? He says, because if you talk big enough, you won't even have to fight. I was like, all right. Well, show me how to do that. He was like, well, it all starts with the crazy eye. He's <laughs> like, you want to see the crazy eye? It's crazy eye right there. You close one, you open one. I look like a seventh grader on crack. I was, I was down, back up. And I was like, so, so the bully would come, and then he would, then he would say, then he would tell me some cuss words, which wasn't good. And then he just told me to get loud and just, you know, stick your chest out and just flip your arms and run around. And... Y'all, it worked. I went back to school, the same bully came at me. And when he came at me, I just turned around and said, you don't want to mess with me. Right now, you don't know me. He uh, left me alone. And I felt like I'd untapped some deep spiritual secret, like, that would forever change my life. Y'all, this worked 90% of the time. The other 10%, I got beat up. But that's neither here nor there, nor does it serve the metaphor. My point is, if you're, don't teach this to your children, it's not good. But my point is, I can appreciate the lesson that my uncle was trying to teach me 
and I think the lesson my uncle was trying to teach me is that sometimes in life, you're going to be outmatched. There are times in life when you will be outnumbered. And there are times in life when you will be outclassed. And in those times, it's important to go big. Because you've got to match what's coming at you. I wonder if anybody came into church today with something big on their heart. Maybe big on their mind. And I mean big, okay, not little. Not like you drafted Le'Veon Bell in the first round draft of your fantasy football team and now he can't play and now you're upset because you lost $20. Please. I'm talking about you got a big problem. You got an issue going on at home. You got a marriage that's falling apart. You got a diagnosis that you're waiting for. Maybe you came to church not just with a big problem, but maybe you came to church with a big goal, a big dream. And I want to take a second just to pause on that because I'm a bit upset at the narrative that's being formed around church and our culture today. There's an image of church as a hospital. And I don't mind it. I mean, I, I get it. It's true. Jesus did say, come to me, all, you, all ye who are weary and burdened, and, lay, and I will give you rest. Don't hear me say that this is, this is a place. This, this is a place where if you're sick, you can come be well. If you're broken, you can come be put back together. This is a place where if you're hurting, you can come and be healed. And, and don't get me wrong. This is a hospital. It's just that people just don't go to a hospital when they're sick. They also go to a hospital when they're about to give birth. And I believe that as Christians, and this is my call, honestly, if I can summarize this entire sermon series in a phrase, it's that you would understand that God is not just calling you to survive this world, but he's also calling you to change this world. I'm tired of Christians praying baby prayers and, and little things when God wants to do so much more in your life. If you would just put him in a position to blow your mind, I think he can do the impossible. I think he can stay the sun. So promise me you'll stop praying this prayer after today. God... Just be with me. No, stop praying it. Because <laughs> I did that the other day as I was preparing this message, and I felt like God said with me, that's it? That's all you want me to be with you? You mean the God that split the sea? The God that stopped the sun? The God that raised it? You just want me to just be in your car today? Okay. If that's what you First off, I didn't know I needed permission. But thank you. Secondly, I thought I was everywhere at all times. But now I know it was, I was mistaken. So sure, I'll go with you to work and I'll go with you. Like, I get it. If you want God's presence with you at all times, listen, you don't got to pray for that. You got that. He lives in your heart. We don't got to visit a tabernacle anymore. We are the tabernacle. God's presence lives inside of us. You got that. Can we shift from surviving to conquering? From just trying to make it to making it? You know what I'm saying? Can we shift? So we got to go big. But listen, but I, but I also don't want to diminish those who are going through something today because this message is for both. And, and so if you are going through something like that today, I need your help because I can't preach without your participation. And this is the way you're going to participate today. I need you to visualize that thing. Come on, do you got it? You had a dead-end job. You've been there for years. You're looking for a career. But you've been at that job for so many years, you have no idea how God's going to do it. It seems impossible. You've been diagnosed with a terminal illness. Doctors have no answers. It seems impossible. It's, it's big. It's big. You just got pregnant. You got a baby. I don't know if that's a problem or a blessing, but I will tell you something as a parent, too. It's big. Having kids is big. You just started a new job. It's big. If you're whatever it is, I need you to get that in your mind, all right? So everybody do a little visualizing exercise. Close your eyes, all right? This is also a church where people come who don't know Jesus. So as you close your eyes, just clutch your purse. <laughs> I 
I'm just saying, the person next to you might not be saved. That's all. Just call your prayer. Okay. Okay, good. All right. Now, now your eyes are closed. Can you visualize? Can you visualize that? Stop looking at me. Close your eyes. I'll be obedient. Um, can you see that thing? Eyes closed, all this. Can you see that thing? Maybe your ministry needs to go to the next level. Maybe uh, you've got kids that aren't serving the Lord. Maybe your, your marriage is on the Whatever it is. Whatever it is. You, you, you know, you, you're trying to pay off that, that loan, a school loan, uh, whatever it is. You see that thing? All right, open your eyes, look at me. As big as that is, the sun is bigger. And if God can do that, bigger, y'all, and I don't mean bigger by a little bit, I mean really big. The sun is 864,400 miles in diameter. It is 333,000 times heavier than the earth. To really put it in perspective, you know how some people say a million, but they're exaggerating? You can literally fit one million earths inside the sun. That's how big the sun is. And Joshua said, stop. It's big, but it's not big. Listen, your problem or your dream might seem big and it might seem impossible. But here is the dirty little secret about what seems impossible. And that is that you can't spell seem without first spelling see. Because how you choose to see determines how something seems. I took my son Justice on an airplane ride. It was his second airplane ride. The first airplane ride, he was a baby. He didn't really understand it. But the second airplane ride, we took it, and we took it to Washington. This was a five-hour flight, y'all, with a seven-year-old. It was not pleasant. He's also one of those kids, thanks to his mother, who asks a million questions. A million questions. Questions. So we get into the airport. What's this? The airport. What's that? The airport. What's it's all the airport, bro. <laughs> we get in the plane. He has no understanding of, of, of planes, but he wants the window seat, which is a problem because he has no understanding of assigned seats. And so he literally, for the first 10 rows, he's running down to the window seat in every aisle, sitting on strangers' laps. He has no recognition for personal space. That's not your seat. I'm sorry. That's my son. Just come here. Stop embarrassing me. But he's also young and naive in a good sense. Everything's new to him. And so he said two things that were hilarious as we're, about, as we're taking off. First, we're taking off. He's out, we got a window seat, thank goodness, and, uh, or else. And so he's out picking out the window. And uh, the first thing that happens if you've ever been on a flight is that, you know, he goes past the clouds. Have you ever looked past your window when you look out the clouds? What does it look like? It looks like heaven, doesn't it? I mean, what we think heaven would look like. So he looks out the window. He looks at me. He goes, Dad. I'm like, yeah, Bobby. He goes, is this heaven? Do, do we get to heaven? A part of me wanted to be like, yeah. <laughs> Jesus is on the next stop. We're about to. If you look close enough, you can see the Holy Spirit like a dove. <laughs> so. so <laughs> which I thought was, was, was cute. I was like, no, nah, it's not that easy. If it was, I'd have bought my ticket years ago. Um, but the second thing he said was hilarious. After the clouds cleared and we got to see the Orlando, um, we saw uh, the buildings. And you know how the buildings look really, really tiny. And so, again, he has no understanding of, like, depth perception and those things. And so he saw out the window. He goes, Dad. And I go, yeah, Bobby. He goes, why did they make those houses so small? <laughs> I was like, 
is this a center for ants? Zoolander reference. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and I, I was like, I was like, it's not small. It only looks that way from up here. And listen, what I'm trying to tell you is that the building didn't literally get any smaller. It just seemed smaller because of the height at which he had elevated. I guess the point I'm trying to make is, don't mistake me, the, the goal of this sermon is not to diminish or to uh, downplay or downsize the, the greatness of your obstacle. I'm not trying to downsize your problem. I'm just trying to let you see it from heaven's perspective. Because heaven doesn't see your problem the same way you see your problem. You see that your problem is big and it seems impossible. But the God who is fighting for you and for me, well, the Bible says that he holds the stars in his hands, that the earth is his footstool. For God, nothing is impossible. And if you can just put on his eyes and look at your issue from his perspective, you will see that the thing that is impossible for you is possible for God. Come on, if you believe it, say, I believe it. Say, I believe it. That's good because the first step to seeing the sun stand still in your situation is to believe it. You got to believe it. In Joshua, God looks to Joshua and he says this in verse 8. He says, the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid. Tell your neighbor, don't be afraid. Tell your other neighbor, don't be scared. If you're a guest, this is our church. I hope you enjoy it. This might not be for you, but <laughs> it's who we are. And uh, do not be afraid, which I got to be honest, I'm a little confused. Because um, I, I appreciate God. Thank you. Do not be afraid. That's cool. Uh, like, it's cute uh, that he would say that. But how many people can realize, like, in the middle of a battle, that's not really helpful. You know, the enemies are around you. Don't be afraid. Really? So you got God? You know? It's like when you're on the plane and the stewardess. And by the way, I, I, if you're here in the airline, just admit it if you're a stewardess. All those things you tell us to do in case of an emergency, just admit that none of it matters, please, right now. Because I know, in case of an emergency, the oxygen mask will drop, and then the exits are here. And the, in case of an emergency, I'm not going to remember anything you just said. And, in, and if this thing's going down, I'm pretty sure that oxygen mask isn't going to save my life. But yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. But if, but if we think about it, they're really not trying to save our life. I mean, I guess maybe, but again, I don't want to offend any stewardess here. What I think they're trying to do is give us a sense of control to the situation. There's something you can do in case of an emergency. Here's what you do, right? Which I appreciate that because they're giving us details, right? Because you, you know what would be worse? If the stewardess came up there with her smile or he went up, the steward duh, duh, went up there. I don't know what the guy stewardess is called. The steward went up there with the smile and, and, they, were like, and they were like, in case of an emergency, don't be afraid. I'd be like, come back right now. I want to know about the mask. I want to know about the exit. How's this thing work? I, I want the details, right? Because the details feel, make me feel like I, have, like I have power, like I can do something about it. And he doesn't get any details. He doesn't get any strategy. He doesn't get, he's up against this impossible thing. And he doesn't get any strategy. He doesn't get any political info. He doesn't get like, like give me a witness. Like, you know what I'm saying? Give me, like, do I go for the shin? You know, tell me something. He gets none of that. All he gets is do not be afraid. And I get it because Joshua is afraid. He's afraid because, A, he's outnumbered. It's one nation against five. The Amorites have formed together. The Amorites are not only one people. It's actually five different people who were formed a, a tribe called the Hill People. And the reason why they're called the Hill People is because they lived on the 
That's right. And I made you say that for a reason because I, don't want, I want you to understand that he wasn't just outnumbered, but he also had the perspective from the valley and not from heaven. He was on the bottom looking up, and because he was on the bottom looking up, outnumbered, he thought this is an impossible situation, and he was afraid. But no, this, he was afraid, but God still called him because fear will not disqualify you from the impossible. You can be afraid and still be a participant in the impossible as long as you don't allow fear to paralyze you. Fear can, be, fear can be a part of your miracle, but if it paralyzes you to the point that you won't get on the battlefield, then it will freeze you up because God can do the miracle, but he can only do it as long as you're on the battlefield. So the first thing you got to do is believe because believe steers power from, from fear that allows you to get onto the battlefield for God to fight on your behalf. But you only overcome fear, listen, through belief. Please understand that. The best way I can explain that to you again is a story about my son, Justice, who this time of the year right now is really bad for us in the house because it's coming Halloween season. And my kids love spooky things. But they also don't know the line between that's, I like that, and I'm going to have nightmares. Now, it should be my job as a parent to find that line. And I tried. Last Halloween, we had Journey group on, and I was downstairs in my group. And he, we put the kids upstairs with the Netflix, and, and they were like, hey, it's Halloween. Can we watch something spooky? So I just thought of, like, the least spookiest thing I could think of. So I'm like, I looked, and I found Casper the Friendly Ghost. So I'm like, I'm running with Casper. Let's do it. I put on Casper the Friendly Ghost. What was that for? That night, I come back upstairs. How would you like Casper? It was awesome. Casper's a friendly ghost. He's my friend. I'm like, awesome. We'll get over this spooky thing. It's cool. And so he, he, goes, he goes to bed. Right before he goes to bed, I'm like, what's up? He goes, I'm scared. I was like, of what? He goes, Casper. I'm like, why? He's like, Casper's in my room. I grew up Pentecostal. I don't play with that. He told me there was a ghost in his room. I got the oil. I like, Shandaraboko, say today, baby. Hey, get out of here. Get out of here, ghost. In the name of Jesus, you know, I'll play with that. But once I did that, I was cool. And I was like, you should be cool too, Justice. Daddy spoke in tongues. He's gone. <laughs> and so it didn't help, though. Then, no, he was still scared. So I told him, I said, I, said, I, said, I said what God said. I said, don't be afraid. Didn't work. Don't be afraid. Didn't work. Now it's cutting into my sleep. As a parent, have you ever yelled and encouraged your child at the same time? Come on, you know what I'm talking about? I was like, don't be afraid. Daddy's trying to get some sleep. Be brave. Be courageous. He's not having it. No matter how many times I told him, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, it didn't work. And so, y'all, this isn't the best parenting advice. But look what I did. I said, I said, I said, you know what? True story. Don't do this. But I did. I said, you know what, Bobby? He is in this room. <laughs> hey, I got to work with what I got. He refused to believe that he wasn't. So I just said, you know what? You're right. Woo, I just saw him. So <laughs> right there. You're right. He is in this room. And his eyes got real big. And then I said this, and then I said, but guess who else is in this room too? God. And God is bigger than Casper. 
and God is bigger than your problem, and God is bigger than your struggle, and God is bigger than your diagnosis, and God is bigger than your marriage, and God is bigger than your sickness, and God is bigger than your finances, and God is bigger than your schooling, and God is bigger than your, your broke down hoopty car. God is bigger. He is bigger. He is bigger. Listen, I could not convince him to believe something different, so I gave him something bigger to believe in. Can I change the way you pray for a second? Stop asking God to take away your fear. He don't do that. Listen, and that's why God had to, that's why before Joshua could tell God to steal the son, God had to tell Joshua to steal his soul. Because he knew that he was in control over the sun and control over the moon and control over the hail and control over the enemy. But the one thing God wasn't in control over was Joshua's emotions. God doesn't control your emotions, so stop asking him to get involved in them. He doesn't take away fear. Here's what he gives you, not boldness. He gives you a word. And if you choose to believe his word, belief in his word births boldness in your life. Some people are asking for patience. Can I tell you something? God will not give you patience. Stop praying for patience. God doesn't give you patience. God makes you a promise. And if you believe that promise, belief in that promise produces patience. And can I tell you the word that God has given you this morning? Do you want a word that you can cling your impossible feet to? Do you want a word, a promise that, that, you, can, that you can just latch onto in the impossible times? It's a yes or no question, church. Yeah. Let me give you the same promise that God gave Joshua. I believe it's 10-8. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid. Here comes the promise. I have given them into your hands. Come on. I have given them. Now, before you clap, I'm telling you, you know, I went to Bible school, I went to seminary. I'm a little upset at God. God, he's supposed to be perfect. There's a typo in that sentence, God. We got a typo. I mean, I'm no English major, but you, you use the wrong uh, tense of the, whatever that is. <laughs> Adjective, noun. I know it's not a verb, but don't laugh. You pretend like you don't know. You have no idea. That's superlative. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, I know that's not it. Um, I got a problem with that, God. I mean, I'm not trying to correct you, Lord. Like, I know you, you set the ocean to its end and you put the trees in position and you built this whole thing called reality. And I get it, but there's a typo. You're using the past tense to describe a battle that hasn't yet happened. The, the correct tense, God. Sorry again to correct you. Please don't strike me dead with a lightning bolt. But the correct verbiage should be, I, I will give them into your hands. But here's the promise you latch your life onto. God speaks in the past tense about your present battles. And that's a promise. Are you hearing me? He says that he has. Now you fill in the blank. What was your that? What was your big, audacious, impossible goal? Here's the promise you, you, you lock, you tie, you lace your life to. That he has done the thing that you are currently fighting already. It's already done. I have given it into your hand. I have given you. You might have been infertile for 10 or 12 years, but I have given you the baby. You might have been able to pay off that loan, ten, but I have given you a debt-free life. I have given it to you. I've given it to you. That's a promise you last. How would you live life differently if you already knew the outcome? How would you wake up differently? How would you go to work differently? You, 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 you meet your boss and be like, good morning. Hope you enjoy your job while you have it. <laughs> Promotion is mine. I already have it. Don't talk like that at your job. <laughs> it's inappropriate. 
Belief, man, belief. You got you to gotta believe. And once you believe, here's what you can do. Once you believe, it puts you on the battlefield. And once you're on the battlefield, then you can invite God to fight your battle. That's the next thing you got to do, invite him. Invite him. How many people know that God loves to fight for us? From time to time. He loves to fight for us. Like any husband does for their wife. In fact, Liz has this one thing that she does at the house often that I just, I love it. I actually encourage other couples to do the same thing. She, every once in a while, probably once a month, she'll bring out a jar that she can't open. <laughs> Ladies, if you want to restore your marriage, <laughs> pretend like you can't open a jar. <laughs> Go to your man and be like, baby. Can you use your strong? Listen, I'm catching on, by the way. She's been doing this for a while. I know, I know. I love it. I grab that jar, and I'm just like. I got this. I got this. I love it. She's given me an opportunity to show off. Have you given God an opportunity to show off? Because he wants to. He wants to show off big time. But some of us are so afraid we don't put him in that position. Give God an opportunity to show off in your life. Invite him into it. Because I mean, and when God gets in it, whoo, does he get in it? Does he get in it? Look at what it says in Joshua 10, 11. This is God showing off. The Lord hurled large hailstones down on them, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the sword. What a show off. What a show off. Come on. Now here's the background information. The fight began at Gibeon, but Gibeon was the land that they were trying to liberate. It began at Gibeon, but it ended in their town. The closest town historians have found to Gibeon is 10 miles. So catch this. For 10 miles in armor, they are chasing their enemy and fighting down and, and putting so much effort and sweating. And could you imagine running 10 miles in heavy armor trying to kill someone at the same time? Get back here. <laughs> Get back here. I can't reach. Just Get an arrow. Get an arrow on that guy. Can't reach him. Just throwing swords. <laughs> For 10 miles, and you're so proud of yourself, and you're so go high in yourself because you got rid of so many enemies in 10 miles, and then at the end of 10 miles, God eliminates more enemies like that than you did in 10 miles. Write this down if you're taking notes. God can do more in a moment than you can in a mile. Yeah, he can. So stop trying and striving and working and fighting. Your job is to believe. Get out the way and let God do what he does. He can do more in a moment than you can in a mile, which begs the question, if he can do it, why doesn't he? Or I can be real spiritual and be pastoral and real sneaky and just kind of highlight that and just kind of move on and not pretend. But here's what I'm betting somebody who doesn't go to church regularly is thinking, well, hold up. If God can do it for me in a moment, why does he make me walk a mile? If God can heal cancer, why doesn't he? If God can end world hunger, why doesn't he? If God can bring peace to all different religions and peace to the Middle East, if, if God can bring peace to the United Nations, why doesn't he? If he can do these things for me, why doesn't he do them for me? The answer to that, I think, is 
Well, I, when I was younger, I, I learned that because I preached at a really young age. I started preaching when I was 11. And every time I would get off the pulpit, somebody would come up to me. And whether they were being nice or kind or straight up lying, somebody would always say, great job, JJ, you did great. And when they said that, I would say, what every young preacher says, or every young singer says when they get off the pulpit, they go, oh, it was all God. So I said that. I said it to the guy. And one day, a deacon in my church asked me that question. Uh, he said, he said, he not question, he told me, he was trying to encourage me. He said, Jerry, I'm so proud of you. He's seen you grow up, you little baby. And he said, I'm so proud of you, man, the way you preached today. I said, thanks, man. It was all God. Well, he was like an uncle to me, so he could be straight up with me. He said, well, it wasn't that good now. <laughs> he said, it wasn't all that. <laughs> it wasn't all God now. You had a piece of that, which is interesting because I'm preaching right now, but God isn't preaching for me. Yet when I preach, my words are penetrating a part of your soul that hasn't been touched in a long time. Why? Because I'm preaching, but I'm preaching. I'm born to do this. There's an anointing on the word that I speak because it's, and what is anointing? Anointing means that God is in it. That, that God is on top of it. That God is with it. Here's what I'm trying to get at. When I'm preaching, God is not preaching for me, but God is preaching with me. And I'm preaching with God. And here's the encouragement that you can take home today. Don't let the fact that God didn't do it for you convince you that God is not with you. We all want God to show up with us in the moment, but moments are fleeting and moments are, are temporary. I'd rather have a God who is with me in the mile because life is not a combination of moments. Life is a grind. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It doesn't feel like a sprint. I'm sorry, this thing feels like a marathon. And I give God praise that he doesn't just do things for me. He gets in the muck of everyday life and he walks the miles with us. Sure, he did more in a moment than he did in 10 miles. Well, who do you think was fighting with the Israelites for 10 miles? God was with them, or you wouldn't see them because he didn't do it in a supernatural way. Some of y'all are like, well, I haven't seen God move in a supernatural way in my life. He must not be there. Yeah, but what makes, you, what makes you think that the reason you're still able to run is because you got the strength to run? What says it's not God giving you the endurance to get up in the, you know that you're at church this morning? And you might have came for the Disney pass. But I still give you credit. Why? Because you had one reason to show up but a million to stay home. And you think you got up here on your own accord? He was with you every step of the way. My goal is not to just create a moment. We have worship singers and leaders and we have lights and we have all of that is to create a moment. It is. But the end game is not the moment. What I'm trying to do is build a moment that would, that would lead you in a relationship with God that, that you would take him from this moment and invite him into your mile. That Sunday would leak into Monday. That you could take God with you to work. That you could take God with you to, to school. That you could take God with you to college. That you could take God with you in your home. Invite him. Here's the last thing I'll share. Once you invite him, once you believe big, once you invite God, here's what you got to do. You got to go now go now. And the only reason you wouldn't go after all that I've preached is because you're afraid either A, you're not sure if what you're praying is correct or B, you're afraid that you'll fail. I want to speak to both of those really quickly. First off, if you're afraid to fail, don't be. God will sustain you. Joshua wasn't afraid to fail. Did you see his prayer? Look at his prayer. Joshua 10, 11. Look at this. 12. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said, in the presence of Israel, sun stands still. 
You know what the most powerful phrase there for me is? In the presence of Israel. Because if that had been me, and, and I felt like that was what God wanted me to do, can I be real? I'd have been like, let's go, guys, charge. And I would have said the sun, and I'd have been like, sun, stand still. I would have whispered that mug under my breath. Why? Because if it happens, it's a praise report. Y'all, I prayed for God to stop the sun, and he did it. If it doesn't, it's between me and God. Nobody has to know. But Joshua puts himself in a position where God has to show up. Now, next Sunday, I'm going to preach about what happens when he doesn't. So you got to come back for that. But we have to live believing that he is. He's not afraid of being embarrassed. He's not afraid of messing up. He puts himself out there. That's how you know you're living an audacious life. When you're living the kind of life that if you do fail, you look foolish. But God said that the wisdom of God looks like foolishness to man. So just because the thing he's putting in your heart is silly, dumb, or stupid doesn't mean that it's not a God idea. In fact, I would say this. If the thing that you're praying doesn't intimidate you, it's a good chance that it's insulting to God. It's got to be silly. It's got to be dumb. It's got to be stupid. Because it's those kind of ideas that change the world. It's got to be crazy. It's got to not make sense. Because those kinds of things change the world. Second thing is, what if it's wrong? So what? God will never give you something that will hurt you anyway. Pray what you feel. Ask God to do it. Joshua's wrong. He said, son, stand still. Yo, I never studied science, but this much I know. The sun does not revolve around the earth. The earth revolves around the sun. Guys, Joshua had the wrong prayer. He said, son, stand still. It already was. He had the wrong prayer. And God answered him anyway because God is not offended by the accuracy or ignorance of our prayers. He is offended by the size of it. God doesn't stand up in heaven and go, that was stupid. In a couple thousand years when this guy named Galileo comes along, you'll figure that out. He doesn't see the facts. He sees the faith. He sees the faith. And if you have faith to pray a crazy prayer today. I just want to let you know, if you still wonder if God can stop the sun, look no further than the person to your left and to your right. Look no further than this worship team because Journey Church is a sun stand still church. Three years ago, 20 people on the back porch and of the whole worship team here, <laughs> this was the only guy who was there. It's also his first Sunday back in a long time, so, but still. Um, <laughs> can you, would you imagine this when we did that? This is a miracle. And we went. My wife and I were making six figures. I say we. It was really me, but she was important because she was a stay-at-home mom. And I would do my job all day over that job. We left everything. We sold our home. We cashed out our retirement account. I bought that light with my 2008 savings. Like, we, we just, and, and, and people were looking at us, yeah, that's so dumb. That's so stupid. You have a secure job. I had three other job offerings to me, which offered three things that this job did not, a place to live, security, and a salary. I went for a year without an income. There's a woman who's at church today who called me in the middle of the summer with a $300 check and said, hey, just, God just told me to give you $300. I needed that to pay my groceries. She had no idea. 
I'm looking at a sun stand still church with sun stand still people. I know God does miracles. I know he raises the dead. I know he still moves. I know he still listens to prayers. And if he did it for me, and if he did it for us, he can do it for you. He can do it for you. He can do it for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room right now, you know what your goal moment is? Your goal moment is to go back home to Jesus Christ. On the count of three, if you need a relationship with Jesus, when I say three, I want you to shoot your right hand in the sky. Nobody's looking, nobody's peeking. You need Jesus in your heart. You need to come back home. When I say three, raise your right hand up. One, nobody's peeking. Two, it's a moment of privacy. One, two, three, you need to come back home to Jesus Christ right now. Give your life back. Come on. I see that hand. 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 I see the hand. Go ahead and put your hand down. If you can hear my voice, I want you to pray this prayer. God, I'm coming back home. I'm going to you. Forgive me of my past. Heal me. I start my new life today. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.